Thank you for listening to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church. And visit nateholdridge.com for additional Bible teaching from our lead pastor, Nate Holdridge. Teaching today is our lead pastor, Nate Holdridge. Take out your Bibles, please. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand in the air and we'll get one to you. And turn to 3 John. 3 John. We've been studying through 1st and 2nd and now 3 John is where we're going to be uh, today. We're going to finish up our series looking at John's letters by uh, looking at 3 John today. And as you guys are turning there, I just wanted to mention to you, Christina and I, we've, uh, we've been enjoying each other the last couple days, had a little celebration here and there, but today actually is our 18th wedding anniversary. Yeah, 18 years. So starts, uh, it starts feeling like a real number, you know, when you get to around there, like, wow, okay, that's a, that's a decent chunk of time. And, and we're so thankful to God for each other. We're so thankful for the gift of marriage that he brought us together. We were just uh, thinking this last weekend, just talking about marriage and our relationship together, and we were just rejoicing that God brought our paths uh, together. It just really feels like a miracle looking back that he put us together, and we're so glad to serve Jesus together and, and uh, serve our family together and serve each other. So uh, I'm just kind of rejoicing today, but we've gotten to celebrate the last couple of days. This is not our celebration, hanging out with you guys. I mean, it's cool and everything, but we went out to dinner, so... You know, just wanted to let you guys know that. All right, first, third John is where we're at today. And uh, just to break into this, I'll give you a reminder about John's letters. You know, first, second, and third John, not only are they written by the same person, but they carry a similar tone and theme and may have even been written at the same time historically. And In the first letter that John wrote, it's very different from a typical Greek letter. No greeting, no even real conclusion. It's more of an essay, a letter, an argument that he wants to give to the local churches that he was serving. And as I've told you time and time again over the last couple of months, the content of 1 John was a test for the legitimacy of the Christianity of the church in that era. Do they believe in the legitimate, biblical, orthodox Jesus? Uh, do they love each other, you know, know each other, care for each other, minister to each other's needs, and are they living in obedience to God and his word? And those were the big three things that John held out to the local churches that were in the sphere that he was ministering to. And he expected first John, that first letter, to be a circular that would just sort of move through that region, move through that area. And part of the reason that he wrote it is because there were false teachers who had departed from the church, who had used to be part of the church, who were now teaching a different thing about Jesus, denying his incarnation perhaps, or mixing something up about Jesus. And so John set out in 2 John to give directions to one of those churches. Last week we looked at 2 John, he called the church that he wrote to the elect lady. So one specific church amongst all those churches, and he wanted to tell them to continue to believe in Jesus, to love each other, and to obey God. But specifically, he wanted to give them directions on how to treat those false teachers when they came to their town. He says, don't give them a greeting. Don't 
let them have entrance into your home. Don't do anything to prosper their message and send them on their way preaching a false gospel. So in, in one sense, Second John was written not to the whole group, but to one of the churches giving directions on how to treat the false teachers. Now, today, we come to Third John. Third John is not written to the whole group. It is not written to one particular church, but it's written to one particular man inside of that region of churches. And this man, as we'll discover in this letter, was named Gaius. And the reason that John wrote to him is because Gaius was a good Christian man who was a financier of many of the missionaries that John had sent into that region. His money had helped support the work of expanding the gospel in that territory. And John wanted Gaius to know what you're doing is good. Keep doing what you're doing. And if there are obstacles, even in the form of people getting in the way, keep on pushing past those obstacles because I'm sending more missionaries to you. I might even come to you as a missionary. So thank you for the work uh, that you are doing and continue to support uh, these missionaries. So what we're going to do today is really simple. It's a small letter. It's very brief. It's one of two, by the way, it's one of two personal letters in the New Testament, the other one being the book of Philemon that Paul wrote to a man named Philemon. I know there's a couple of other letters that we might think are personal, like First and Second Timothy or Titus, but Paul knew when he wrote those letters that though he was writing to those men, he was giving instructions to the whole church on how to operate. Philemon, Paul encouraged to forgive. The book of Third John, John encouraged towards generosity, towards missionaries that exist in the world. So what we're going to do is we're going to briefly read 3 John. I'm going to read through it and explain it to you as we go, just giving some brief remarks. I've then got a handful of concluding remarks. And then what I'm going to do is invite Pastor Jeff and our outreach director, Ann Jensen, to come up on the platform. And they're going to give you an excellent yet rapid-fire presentation about 25-plus missionaries and outreaches that we as a church financially supported in 2019 so that you can know about them and then be praying for them uh, in the future. Why would I want to do this today? Partly because of 3 John and the content matter that's in front of us, but partly because of the whole mission of gospel ministers in the first place. Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, my aim is to present every person mature or complete in Christ Jesus. And when we don't have a mission's heart or desire, we don't have the mindset or the mentality of Jesus. In other words, if we want to be mature as Christians, we have to believe in, be rooting for, praying for, desiring to see the gospel expand to the ends of the earth and that, and that we should know that it's gonna take people in order to get that done. So my hope and prayer through the presentation today is that we would become a little bit more like Jesus. That's always the goal whenever we get together, a little bit more like Jesus. So hopefully as you hear about all these missionaries, that gospel Christ-centered heart will grow grow uh, within you. So I'm going to take about 10 minutes now to go through this material. And if you're like, man, that's too short. I feel gypped. You know, you should go a little bit longer. Come out on Tuesday night. I'm going to teach Genesis chapter one, and it's going to be way long. Okay. (laughs) So just a warning for you there. All right. Third John verse one, he says the elder, that's his title for himself to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. 
Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So John is praying for this man, Gaius. He's praying for his whole man. It's just an aside. He's praying for his soul, but that he'd be in good health as well. For verse three, I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So apparently what happened was John, wherever he'd written this letter from, and it's possible that he'd written it from Ephesus, but when he had sent out missionaries, he calls them brothers. It's actually a Greek word that could include sisters as well. They returned to him after they finished their circuit of ministry. And when they returned, they brought a certain report. And one of the things that they shared with John was that there was this man named Gaius who was walking in the truth. And so John rejoices over this man and now writes him this letter. In verse five, he goes on and says, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. In other words, I know that you don't know these people personally, Gaius. You didn't know them before I sent them to you, but you were faithful to them. Who, verse six, testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. What John is recounting there is that when these missionaries came back to the sending church, they stood in front of the congregation and they gave a report. And one of the things they said was, we went to a certain town in a certain place and there was a man named Gaius there who was so generous with us. He opened up his home to us. He helped to support us in that region. And part of the reason why the support was important is because John says, When they went out, they didn't receive any financial compensation from the Gentiles. What does that mean? What that means is they were going to try to evangelize the nations. And the nations were not going to pay for that evangelization to take place. So somebody needed to send them. And and Gaius was part of that sending group. So John goes on in verse 9, and he says, I have written something to the church. Now, it's possible that when he says that, what he's alluding to is 1 John. He had written something to the church. He expected 1 John to kind of have legs and cruise throughout that whole region and for the church to be thinking about reading the book of 1 John. He says, I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first. Man, John is just calling this guy out in this letter. There's a man named Diotrephes. He likes to put himself first, right? This is not a compliment that John is giving to him, all right? Maybe you know somebody like Diotrephes. Like, yeah, they just always like to be the big deal. They always put themselves first. He says, he does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, verse 11, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Here in this section, what John is doing is he's saying, look, there's a barrier to the 
proclamation of the gospel in this region, and it has a name, Diotrephes. He's getting in the way of the support of these missionaries. He's getting in the way of the truth, not letting 1 John run in that region. And he was also denying that John even had authority as an apostle in the first place. And John, in reflection upon Diotrephes, says, look, there are evil people out there. Don't imitate them. But there are good people out there. Imitate them. And, and in a sense, what he's saying is Gaius is one of those good people that the church is to imitate. We should reject a man like Diotrephes who gets in the way of the gospel. But in thinking of a negative example, John wants to give a positive example. That's why in verse 12, he talks about another character. He says, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. Also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Here what John is doing is he's alluding to one of the missionaries he really likes, a man named Demetrius. He says Demetrius has some things going for him. First of all, his life is in line with the truth. Secondly, he says you all bear witness to his fruitfulness. And thirdly, John says, and I bear witness myself. So really that biblical threefold witness thing, Demetrius had going for him as a missionary. In other words, he was a man worthy of Gaius's financial support. Then John closes the letter in verse 13 in a similar way to his closing of second John, when he says, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, every one of them. Now, in thinking about this letter, why did it make its way into the canon? Like I said, it's a personal letter. When Paul wrote to Philemon, it found its way into the canon because the early church began to discover the authority in it in giving us an example for interpersonal conflict and how we need to forgive one another, right? So you can turn to the book of Philemon and receive encouragement about forgiveness all day long. Ever had interpersonal conflict with somebody else? The book of Philemon is helpful to you. The book of 3 John was also personal. Why did it make its way into the canon? Because the early church recognized that there was an authority in it concerning directions on how or who we should support financially in the work of preaching the gospel throughout uh, the world. He doesn't tell them the minute details, set up a missions board, you know, do this each month, you know, anything like that. He leaves the details to each generation of the church to figure out for their own time and space. But the general message is get behind these gospel preachers as they go throughout the world. And one of the reasons that we would do this is found in verse 7 and 8. Would you look at those verses again with me in your Bible? One reason that we would want to support missionaries throughout the world is because, verse 7, they are, when, when they are faithful to the name of Jesus. You know, if they're believing in the real Jesus, preaching the true gospel, then they are worthy of support. But he gives another reason also in verse 7. He says that those missionaries, just like modern missionaries, are not supported by the people who are their target audience. In other words, as if you're trying to evangelize the nations, you can't expect the nations to fund you in the process. So somebody needs to be the sender. 
But there's a third really cool reason why we, as a local church, should engage in missions work. It's found in verse 8. He says there that we should receive people uh, like these who, so that we may become fellow workers for the truth. This is cool. What Paul is saying to Gaius is when they're out there preaching the gospel on your dime, you have become a fellow worker with them. Now, Gaius would have thought that is so cool. Because to him, these gospel preachers were like the special forces of God's army. And he looked up to them and thought, they're amazing that they're doing this work. And for John to say, you could be a co-laborer with them, would have blown him away. And that's one of the motivations we have as well as we want to support missions work, is that we want to be co-workers, co-laborers for the gospel. So before I hand it over, let's think about this. What are some ways that, like Gaius, we can also be in support of legitimate gospel workers throughout the world? Well, one way that he's alluding to in the letter is through generosity, right? Through financial support. Sometimes that comes in the form of actual money. Sometimes that comes in the form of housing, lodging, different things like that, but that basically help the bottom line of those that are going out uh, into the world. Another way that the church would have embraced in that era that we can embrace ourselves is through hospitality. You know, for them, it would have meant the opening up of their homes when missionaries came through town. Uh, We can do that when missionaries are on furlough and resting. We can open up our homes. But I think it also means reaching out with words of encouragement and support and blessing and saying, I'm thinking about you. I was praying for you today. You're on my radar because a lot of times when you're out there doing that gospel work, you feel very alone. So I think hospitality can extend beyond our homes. Another way that we can support gospel workers, listen to this, is through prayer. You guys, prayer is one of the coolest things that God has given to us as his people. You might be landlocked here in Monterey, you know, living in this little community and feel like, man, I'm not going to get to go to Africa. I'm not going to get to go to these exotic places. I'm not going to get to go to closed countries and preach the gospel. And I wouldn't say that so quickly, by the way, but you can pray. And in prayer, you can go into places that you might not be able to physically go, but that God is going as you lift up these missionaries throughout the world. And that's part of the reason we wanted to do this for you today is so that you could have your prayer list be fuller uh, than before. And here's another way that you can support gospel preaching missionaries. You can also, some of you, go with them. Sometimes we think like missionaries are these special people that like grow in like a test tube somewhere and then they come full grown and like, there's a missionary. You know where missionaries grow up? In church. That's where a lot of them grow up. They grow up in church or they get saved and they become part of a local congregation. And even today, you're going to hear just from time to time as an aside, like, oh yeah, and this person, they studied locally here. They were part of our church and they, the Lord put something on their heart and that now they're out in the mission field. This is how God works and how God moves. So don't think that the Lord might, won't call you. He's definitely calling you, but he might even call you into uh, the mission field. So before I hand the stage off to Jeff and Ann, uh, I want to say uh, part of your support is definitely the pastoral team and the staff here at Calvary Monterey. And that's not what we're going to make a big deal about this morning, but I want you to know how thankful we are to be released to be able to pursue 
gospel work here in this community. It's a responsibility that we do not take lightly. We believe we're going to give an, an account for our lives to the Lord on that last day, and we want our lives to count here on earth. So thank you so much for supporting us to be able to do uh, what we do. But these guys are going to talk to us about the missionaries in our community and out there who are not necessarily part of this uh, church family. And it's going to be a lot of fun. These two, I hear them bickering in the church halls all the time. Jeff is always bothering Ann. I don't know what it is, why Jeff likes to do that. You're a little bit of a bully, but... If you guys could welcome Jeff and Ann this morning uh, as they present to us. Thank you. This is so fun. You mean like saying that my microphone is number one? Yeah, and hers we gave is Jeff number, number one. Kind of like that. <laughs> Partner? Okay. Away we go. Take it away. Okay, this is really fun. I want to give you guys an overview, a little bit of what happens when you give to our church, when you invest into the kingdom of God by giving to your local church, by giving to Calvary Monterey. When you give regularly, that enables our financial board to set an annual budget. And a section of that budget is for missions and outreach. So that allows us to every single month commit to a regular amount to support a local outreach, a ministry, a foreign missionary. So we let them know at the beginning of the year, hey, we're on board. Here's how much we can give to you every single month. You can expect that. But if you give also to our missions fund, if you write missions and outreach into the memo line of your check or you select that on the drop-down menu online, um, that money goes into basically a little piggy bank. And that enables us to give one-time gifts to projects that come up, um, needs that come up. Um, For example, the Buchanans, who were here a couple months ago, in 2018, they had just moved to Kurdistan, and they needed a car to be able to get around. So we gave a gift to help them on their way to buy that car. So that kind of stuff is what um, those special one-time gifts go towards. So we're going to spend a little bit of time. We're going to move local to foreign, and we're going to start first with our regular support, who we support every single month. So we're looking for people who are high-impact, low-maintenance, people that are already in the go mode, people that are just a little bit kamikaze. And we, uh, and Ann works in accounting here, so she's so good at uh, really keeping good track of what we're doing financially because one day, you know, we stand before God as stewards of his money and of your money. So it's really important to us to uh, to do this well. So first place we have supported for a number of years is the Compassion Pregnancy Center in downtown Monterey. This alternative to babies being aborted Uh, Debbie Jones, uh, who was in in our church for a long time, has pioneered this thing for 26 years, I think it is now. And so for those of us who really believe in the pro-life message, children should come to birth, come uh, safely into this world, and this is a a practical alternative for women who are looking for that way out, and it's a wonderful uh, ministry, as is... um, the International Students International, this group that has a couple of different uh, people in our church uh, helping to run it, reaching out to the international students that come to us from all over the world. And John Steers and his wife, they give a picnic in August. They give out to these internationals that they invite to the picnic, all kinds of kitchen goods and gadgets and things. 
um, and then invite them to a Bible study through that year. And Dale and Carolyn D. Pilatus are ministering to the wives of international professors. And so, you know, the Lord uses these institutions here to send wonderful people from around the world. And so these two organizations are ministering uh, to them. Now tell us about the bridge. Yes. Um, and those two organizations are ones that you can volunteer with, too, if you're looking um, to, uh, for a way to get involved. Um, we also are so thankful to support the Bridge Restoration Ministry, which we love. Um, it is a separate entity from the church. I know that can be confusing sometimes, but it is run by Pastor Mike Casey, who is also on staff here. Um, many of us attended the Bridge fundraising dinner, and we got a lot of the recaps of everything that happened this year in their ministry. Um, but we just want to say how thankful we are to be able to support them every single month. And we love the presence of the Bridge members um, on our church campus. They're part of our family, and I think it gives us an even wider view of um, the body of Christ, who makes up the body of Christ, and um, the way that uh, the Lord loves each one of us in it. So we're super thankful for the bridge. And uh, you'll notice that when you go over to the grill, that all the guys in the black shirts, those are people that are in the recovery ministry. We're so proud of them. And also on Monday nights, uh, Pastor Mike has a ministry called Regeneration. And so about on Monday nights, 130 people on average are coming to this meeting, which is about recovery through Christ from addictions. And so right here in your church, um, coming out of your monthly support, is that ministry. Uh, Addiction is huge. The, The number of people now addicted to opioids, it is skyrocketing. And so, again, that's a wonderful practical ministry happening right here with your support. Monday night, 7 o'clock, you'd be welcome to uh, visit. Church planting is also part of our desire and ministry, the planting of churches as well as the acts of mercy. And so three churches have begun from here. Pastor Matt Gassandi over in Salinas, uh, Refuge Church, And then uh, my son-in-law, George Butts, and my daughter, Lauren, are over in Fort Lauderdale with the Cove Community Church. I'm leaving Tuesday to spend some time with them and uh, also at Calvary Fort Lauderdale. And then Aaron Maddox, you may remember, gosh, two, three years ago, whatever that was, went out and started Jesus Center Church in Seaside. And Aaron went just under a year and just decided that it wasn't working. And so, you know, to my sorrow, he uh, decided uh, not to continue. But he is uh, serving at a wonderful church in Pacific Grove, Wellspring Church, which is experiencing a real measure of revival. So I'm glad at least he is in that uh, area of ministry still. But uh, there are these two church plants, and we're always looking for more. Foreign missions, what can we say about that? This is where um, it gets really fun because we get to see where people get sent out all over the world. So first we want to start with Nick and Joanna Bala. Um, If you recognize Nick in that photo, he attended Calvary for a very long time. He was a local here, um, and he always had a heart for a mission. So he finally um, decided to get on board and sign up with Pioneers, which is a missions sending group. It was at that time that he actually met his future wife. She was in the process of getting on board with Pioneers as well, which is very convenient. And so they decided to go ahead and get married, and now they're getting ready to go to a country in North Africa um, that we cannot say the actual location for the sensitive nature of it, but they will be working with a really vulnerable people group there. 
the city where they're training in America actually has an immigrant population of that people group. So they're working with them stateside, getting all of those skills, understanding the culture, reaching the people here. But they are hoping to be sent out later this year, we think. So um, there's information on them and all of our supported missionaries at the Proclaim Wall out in the Welcome Center. So if you're ever wondering who we support, why, what they're doing, um, be sure to check that out. But that is Nick and Joanna Bala. Some of you would remember the Simmersons, Garrett and Jennifer Simerson, and their kids. They uh, were here while uh, Garrett was attending Naval Postgraduate School, high-caliber guy, has a, a, his eye on India, and uh, according to him, India has 2,500 distinct people groups and is 90% unreached. He now lives in an, an area that called the Research Triangle in North Carolina where he is ministering to those very kinds of people and hopes to go out uh, himself to that country. Up next, we have Steve and Nora Brazelton. You'll remember that they were on staff here before they left for Malawi almost 10 years ago or so. Um, they work, for, work with Ruth Shaw. That's their ministry. And they do things like orphan ministry, Bible literacy, and pastoral training in that region. I'm not going to say a ton about them because they're actually going to be here in person in two weeks, and they'll give you the full update. But if that piques your interest, be sure to check out their website and be here two Sundays from now. And then our unnamed missionary that insists upon never our mentioning his name, putting up his picture. Uh, he is a local guy, but uh, happens in here once in a while. But his total focus for the last 19 years is closed and difficult countries. So I went on one trip with him. I've seen how this kamikaze works. And I'm so thankful because closed countries are part of our, our passion and our goal to get in those places. I developed a heart for missions sneaking into, in 1984, Budapest, Hungary, uh, speaking for three evenings at a, an underground church, which uh, was one of the high points of my life in four-hour services that only ended because people had to get to the bus lines. You worship for an hour. I spoke for an hour, a little brief break. I speak for another hour. They worship for another hour. Uh, and it was just phenomenal because these people are sitting on literal two-by-fours uh, on paint cans. And they're just hungry for the gospel. And so, you know, that's when I developed this thing. You know, we've got to reach people uh, all around the world. Next. We have David Joanni, as you'll remember. He comes and visits every couple of years. He came last year and gave us a great update. Um, we actually have a video update from him at the, from the end of 2019. It's about 90 seconds. So instead of me talking, we're going to watch David and his wife share. Greetings from the Within Reach Global team. We're excited to bring you an update of all that took place in 2019. We give God all the glory for 2019, and uh, we love this verse, Isaiah 26, 12. It says there, all that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Truly is, God has done so many amazing things this 2019. That's right. This year, 2019, we saw 1,700 people hear the gospel for the very first time. These people were from 120 villages, and some of you might be thinking, wow, those numbers kind of seem a little bit low. 
you have to realize we cannot do open air crusades and uh, outreaches that are just completely open because we're working in restricted and closed access places that is very hostile environment, persecution and so on. Um, we also saw 19 people groups, unreached people groups that were impacted with the gospel, 105 documented healings and all this was done through a small band of believers, 16 local missionaries and eight foreign staff. This year we have seen the growth of different outreach centers we have. One particular outreach center, one of our missionaries has been beaten, stoned, driven away from their villages and yet was able to grow one church to four churches, mm. preach to about 450 people from 20 villages. And one of also in our one of the outreach centers, our missionaries are called by the police, hunted up, down by the police. Truly, God is so good. The Lord has protected all our local missionaries. So, if you want to hear more of those stories, withinreachglobal.org, you can find that. Follow us on Facebook. All right. Um, if you want to learn more about their ministry, that video is much longer, and they've got a lot of other cool updates, so make sure to check out within, withinreachglobal.org. They also do mission trips every single summer, so if you want to head out to China and Thailand, be sure to check that out. All that information is in your Connect card, so be sure to take that home. Our next missionary, um, I'm really excited about this one. We onboarded her this year. This is Dr. Tanya. I think if you were here a month or two ago, you'll remember seeing... Nathan and Nicole Buchanan. Nicole um, attended our church when she was here at the Middlebury Institute getting her master's degree. We originally, because of our connection with her, wanted to support them, but they actually had enough support, which isn't something you usually hear from missionaries, so that's um, really great. But she said, we have this woman who wants to join our team. She's looking to um, generate some more support. Would you consider supporting her? So Tanya is a 30-year-old medical doctor from Peru. It's really fun to be able to support someone from the global south. Um, And she is a hero in my book. We've been emailing each other with Google Translate. It's been pretty fun. But she is serving in the Kurdistan region, which is like a semi-autonomous region that spans Iran, Iraq, and Syria. So I'm sure you've heard a lot of those country names in the news lately. Um, She is as good as gold. FAI, Frontier Alliance International, who she and the Buchanan serve with, their main goal is to provide medical relief and plant churches in these regions that are in such desperate need of help. So they are standing in the gap. Um, And I do just want to mention the whole Frontier Alliance International team is okay in light of the missile strikes that happened this last week, where those missiles were sent is about the same distance from where they were as we are to San Francisco. So it was pretty close. Um, We had a pretty nerve-wracking 24 hours emailing them and trying to figure out if they were okay, but they are. So be praying for them, please. Um, But they are saying that this level of activity happening is opening doors of access. So even in something like this, God can use it to further his kingdom. So be praying for them. In addition to our monthly support of all of these organizations and people, because of your giving to our missions fund was so generous this last year, we were able to send every single one of those organizations an additional blessing and gift. It was really fun to send that email saying, like, guess what? Another check's in the mail. And um, they were able to put it towards projects or trips to go visit other churches. So um, we were really thankful and honored to be able to send that um, on your behalf. So thank you for investing in that. We're going to move on to what we were able to do with one-time gifts. 
So all this money that was in our piggy bank this year, as we're going to call it. So um, first I do want to mention we sent some funds to a couple of organizations who reached out to us for help. They're not Christian organizations in our community, but they saw Calvary Monterey as a place where they could go for help. And we want that to be a witness um, that is faithful and true for our church, where when someone says, can we get some help, we can say yes. And why? Because we love Jesus. So they know that we're doing it in the name of Christ. First is the Child Advocacy Center, which is a tiny little clinic in Natividad Hospital. I had never heard of it before. Um, they reached out, but they see children who have endured abuse and trafficking within our county. So because it's a county-run program, they don't always have the funding to stock their shelves with snacks and activities for these kids as they come through. Um, so they just need help stocking their shelves with snacks. And we said, yeah, we would love to go to make a Costco run for you and um, got to talk to them about what we're about. And uh, But we see this, when I was thinking about should we do this or not, I was thinking of Matthew 10, 42, the words of Jesus, who says, and whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is a disciple, truly, I tell you, he will never lose his reward. So we want to be that kind of church, too, who witnesses to Jesus um, in word and in deed. Um, Another fun organization that's getting started this year is Set Free Monterey Bay. So this is the local chapter of a national movement called the Set Free Movement. Um, Both of these websites have a lot of information on human trafficking, um, and this local chapter is getting started this year. So we were able to send a gift to them. It's a coalition of churches in our community. We have joined this. Um, So we're going to hopefully see a lot of traction and information and prayer meetings and hopefully volunteer um, volunteer opportunities soon if you have a heart for what's going on in human trafficking in our community because it is happening here. And the Food Bank of Monterey County... The uh, wonderful director, Melissa Kendrick, she is just amazing. The, the one on TV that always has the bandana on, and that nonprofit provides food at, I think it's 18, 19 cents a pound, something like that, to nonprofits around the county, including our food pantry, which is right out those doors and left. And on Sundays and uh, Tuesday nights will be open for members of the congregation. And on Wednesdays, it's also open to the families of foster parents who need that additional help. But we're so thankful for that community organization, and we were able to put a one-time gift into them. They have estimated that 20% of our county is in shortage of food, and so they do a wonderful work uh, specifically for the uh, nonprofits like us. Moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about foster care, which you know is close to our heart as a church. Um, Because of the relationship we've had with the foster care community over the last, gosh, 10 years, um, we got this really cool opportunity this year. I started getting emails from social workers at the county um, probably around April, and we've been doing it almost every month since then, um, when they have a case that comes across their desk where there's a family who is at risk of one of their one or all of their children being removed from the home because they can't meet a material need. So let's say they don't they don't have the funds to buy another bed for their child. Um, they were asking because the county can't physically buy those kind of materials for them um, based on just the red tape and all of that. So, but we can and. We have a line in our budget for foster care, and so we were really blessed to be able to say yes to all those things. Amazon Prime those, so they arrive at the um, family's house in two days or less. But this year, we were able to buy 11 bunk beds or beds, mattresses, three pack-and-plays, two booster seats, 
and one crib. So this is all sent to families who are at risk. We consider this foster care prevention, keeping kids out of the foster care system um, altogether. And then also for families who are foster families waiting to receive those children into their homes. So you don't know if you're going to, when you get that call, if you're going to get an infant or a 17-year-old teenager. So you can't have a room ready. Um, so when that call is made, we're able to step in and help. Um, so we're really thankful for that. We also sent a gift to Cherish Receiving Center, which is where kids go when they're m- removed from their home and they're awaiting foster care placement. They needed help to be able to buy Christmas gifts for kids who are coming into care during the Christmas season. We helped them with that. And then also just with your um, support of our church, that has enabled me to have the time to coach two other churches in our community, um, Slains Valley Community Church and Cypress community church um, to host their own foster care Sundays to get their church more involved in considering becoming a foster parent or becoming a court-appointed special advocate or making cherish boxes for kids to have when they come into cherish center so that's a huge blessing we're estimating about 3,000 believers over the last two years have had the opportunity um, to consider becoming a foster parent and those are the people that we want to be in these kids lives so we're really thankful for that We have a young man uh, who's got uh, two years now with uh, CRU, C-R-U, former Campus Crusade, Caleb Reyes, and he has been worshiping and working at San Jose State University and has done a great job up there and and helping to bring the gospel to that particular university. And um, he's also done a mission trip to Jordan, just a, a kid from our church that really has a heart for the world. We also sent a couple of gifts this year to Samaritan's Purse. They do a lot of great um, international relief and response. Um, They were also at the Paradise Fire, so they do local and international things. I'm sure you're always hearing about a humanitarian crisis or natural disaster in the news, so just know that when those things come across our desk, uh, Jeff and I pray about them, and we have given gifts to various needs this past year through them. Some of the other things that we've been able to do this year, a couple of friends of, of our pastor, uh, Pastor Ray Dash, the Rock Christian Fellowship in inner city Newark, a very difficult part of that city, and then a brother that went to uh, Baltimore. I used to live near Baltimore to Haven City Church. These uh, churches are doing the work of the ministry as Calvary Chapels in the inner city, and so we were so pleased to just out of those extra funds that you give, and it's amazing how many undesignated missions, funds, monies we get so then we can do these one-time things. Uh, we were able to do that at the end of the year. That was fun. Yeah. To new, these are new church plants. Okay. Did you want to talk about the present? Oh, I skipped that fun one. <laughs> we uh, have this crazy man on staff, Pastor Mike Casey. And Mike has been for several years now going over and doing weekly Bible studies at Monterey Jail. And so I have gone through the process now to also be able to go into the jail. So this old guy is going to be able to go in there and with Mike and teach uh, Bible studies. But we put several hundred Bibles and also uh, several hundred copies of Mike's book, Comfortably Numb, into the Monterey County Jail. And I've for years dreamed of seeing an effective outreach in the jail where there just isn't a whole lot of programming and people there uh, can be reached. And so I'm looking forward to being in the jail this uh, this year. <laughs> and my release the same day, I hope. 
Um, Andy Dean, who has come and spoken here several times, he's the director of Calvary Chapel Bible College. Um, he reached out to us knowing that we have a heart for church planting. And he said, hey, we've got a bunch of international students who have a heart for church planting. They want to come to Calvary Chapel Bible College, get trained up, go back home and plant churches in um, their area. So we got a list of a bunch of kids that we got to um, make the really hard decision of picking only one. But we picked this young woman who is from Uganda. She has a big heart for church planting. She wanted to get training in um, just Bible literacy and um, teaching so that she could go back and be part of um, the ministry team in Uganda from their church that will be sent out soon. So it was really a big honor to invest in her first semester, I think, starting this month. And... Pastor Nate's dad, Bill Holdridge, the founder of this church, this building that you're sitting in was from Pastor Bill, and he has a wonderful ministry called Poimen Ministries. He and 11 retired couples, they work with Calvaries all over the country, and especially in helping transitions from one pastor to the next. I had a, about an hour talk with Bill about a month ago, and it's just amazing what Poimen Ministries is doing to really uh, minister out of deep experience to the needs in churches, and so we were able to do a year-end gift there, as well as a uh, special gift to Pastor David Gusick. You remember Pastor David who spoke here a few months ago? Uh, His free online Bible commentary is just incredible. I use it certainly every week, and uh, I recommend that. And we helped him get a little bit more translation of his uh, online uh, work into Mandarin and Arabic with that special gift. Yeah, two of the most spoken languages in the world. So if those people have that kind of resource, that's invaluable. Another thing close to getting Bibles translated is Wycliffe Bible Translators. We sent a couple gifts to them. Um, these are Bibles for, we got um, a project. We contributed to a project for Bibles for Persecuted Christians. That was one gift we gave to them. We also gave another one to um, increase their efforts to get Bibles translated into languages for the very first time. So for some context, Um, you might have the NIV Bible in your lap or the ESV Bible or the message, or there's over 400 translations in the English language of the Bibles. There are people who still don't have a single translation of the Bible in their language. So Wycliffe has the audacious goal of getting this done in our lifetime. Um, So we think this is something that is very worthwhile investing in. So if you have a heart for um, seeing the Bible in hands of every single person in the world, um, we would highly recommend Wycliffe. Another creative gospel idea that Larry and Lana Lynn of our church had was to actually build libraries in unreached parts of Africa. And they were just over there, and they were in Zambia and Zimbabwe. They plant a garden. They put a uh, a building in the middle of it for a library and stocked, of course, in that library lots of gospel material, lots of Bibles. And so that's just another creative way that uh, the gospel gets out, and so we send a, a gift to them, and, and a couple of our people, including Tom, our photographer, uh, went on that trip. Yeah, that's a great opportunity, and those people are here um, at our church, so be keeping your eyes peeled to talk to them if that's something you're interested in. Um, we also got to support um, one of my friends. His name is Shun Nakamura. He is with Crew in Japan, and he is as fun as he looks. Um, Japan. He has a huge heart for um, the Japanese 
people. Japan is less than 1% reached for the gospel. It's really tough soil for people from Western countries to um, communicate the gospel really clearly just based on cultural differences. It's an honor-shame culture. It's a group culture. Um, We're more individualistic, so explaining individual sin and having a relationship with God um, in a way that makes sense to them while also being true to Scripture takes a lot of training, and Shun has dedicated his life to this. He moved to Japan two years ago. As far as we know, he has no plans to come back, so we really want to invest in him. He's really fun. He's perfect for ministering on the university campuses in Tokyo. Um, he's fun, but he's serious about the things that matter, so it was a big honor to be able to invest in him this year. Back on uh, David Joanni's Within Reach Global, we had a missionary's car in China that broke down, and so we were able to send a special gift, gift to repair that car and to help David uh, do a within-reach global pastors conference. I'm not sure if it was held in China or out, but you were a part of that conference uh, as he was able to train those pastors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Investing in Chinese pastors is a really big deal. Um, it's getting harder and harder to be a Christian in China, so every dollar counts for that and every prayer counts. And then finally, we want to end on a gift that we were able to send to Frontier Alliance International to Dr. Tanya and the Buchanan's team. Um, If you might recall in the news, around the beginning of November, end of October, um, U.S. forces were pulled out of the Kurdish region, and we received a report from FAI that um, conflict, and there's been a lot of crossfire that has increased, and they set the really audacious goal of raising $250,000 to be able to buy necessary medical supplies for their teams to be able to serve every single person who was injured in that region who needs help. Um, So this photo is actually of one of the FAI medical team members holding the hand of a patient who was hurt in this conflict. So we were really honored to send funds to um, help them along their way towards this goal. And this is a thing that you can be praying for for them. Um, They want to be Christ in the middle of the nations that are raging. Um, They're motto, their vision is because Jesus. That's it. And that sounds a lot like Jesus famous to me. So we're really honored to be able to um, support them every single month, um, but also for stuff like this that comes up because this is, um, as we all know, a very conflict-ridden region. Um, But God is using this to crack open some doors and get some opportunities in there for the light of Christ to be um, really, really bright in that area. Oh, I keep going. Okay. Keep going, partner. Keep going. Okay, so check the card that's in your Connect card. That has um, phone numbers, emails, websites of every single thing that we mentioned. Be, please be praying about um, a missionary that you want to adopt and be praying for, a local outreach that you want to get involved in here, um, somewhere that you want to start sowing your financial seeds into these ministries. These are huge things, and they're all... Um, right here that we can actually invest in and make a difference. We have some um, hopes and prayers for 2020. We're not sure exactly where the Lord's going to lead us, but we always like to start with an idea. We want to see more campus ministry at CSUMB. I actually had a young woman after the 9 o'clock service come out and say, like, hey, I'm involved in InterVarsity at CSUMB, and I didn't even know that there was an InterVarsity there. So that's an exciting new opportunity. Um, We want to know about the outreach that you're doing. We don't assume to know 
everything that's going on in our community. So if there's outreach, if there are missions trips that you're going on, please come see Jeff or me in the Welcome Center and talk to us. We would love to know about that. But we want to encourage you to do to not wait for something to be um, officially run by the church before you step into it. If there's something that's on your heart that the Lord is putting on your heart in our community or a missions trip that he wants you to go on, start investigating it. Um, listen to the Spirit in your heart and um, just see where he takes you. And let us know how we can be uh, praying for you and support you along your way. But well, we do hope to do a missions trip to Cuba. Anne's going to go in May, aren't you, Anne? Yep. And uh, with a group that we discovered that's doing wonderful work over there. You know, when we do the love our, love our Central Coast, you know, things twice a year, uh, I heard one of the principals in Seaside say, you know, she said, I have 285 homeless students coming to my school. And I thought, we have to do something about that. So there's so much. And, you know, there's an old saying, don't step over the dead body in your doorway to go to foreign missions. You've you got to love both. We've got to love right here where we live and then all around the world. Matthew twenty four fourteen. This gospel must be preached as a witness to all the world. And then the end will come. The Great Commission, Matthew twenty eight eighteen. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth is given unto me. Go, therefore. And one of my favorites that has motivated me for so many years, Revelation 7, 9, I saw a vast multitude standing before the throne of every nation, every kindred, every tribe, and every tongue. All of them. And so what part might you have in that? Prayer, finances, going, supporting We were just given a large gift at the end of the year that was designated uh, toward closed countries and India. And so we are happy about that, and we're going to look for, again, uh, the right opportunities to invest those funds. But I want to take a minute for us to pray that we'd see Jesus famous everywhere. And that all of us would have a missions heart. That's one of my dreams for this church, is that we all have that burden that the Lord would take off a little bit of his burden for the nations and plant it in us. And so we are missionaries or wannabes. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for a gospel that is worthy of the sacrifice of so many people through the centuries. And it is worthy of our attention. So that as we might stand washing dishes at the sink or changing a diaper or signing tuition checks or whatever, that, we, that our mind drifts off to the nations and the neighborhoods. Lord, thank you for the funds we've been given. We pray that you'd always provide for every area that you want done and every nation you want us to touch. And we lift up the needs around us, Lord. Here are we, send us. We love you today. May this be a church that we love one another and that we love the lost everywhere. Now, Lord, bless us as we go as missionaries into our particular bit of the world. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more teachings and information about Calvary Monterey, please visit calvary.com.
You can also find books, teachings through the Bible, and articles from our lead pastor at nateholdridge.com. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next week.